Life is complicated. There is the law and there is reality. Welcome to Law and Reality, sponsored by Thav Gross. Now, here's your host, Ken Gross. Good morning. Welcome to Law and Reality. With me, Jenny Wingle, tax expert. Hi, Ken. Great to be here today. Brian Small, estate planning financial crisis expert. A pleasure, absolutely, to be here today. Topic of the day, what 60% of Americans fail to do. Win the lotto? More than 60%. Probably, I, 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 if, if I didn't know the answer, I would probably say vote. How about change their toothbrush every four months? Uh, probably so. Okay. Is that, the, is that the standard for changing a toothbrush every two months? I know every my wife months. swaps mine a lot faster than that. I think it's every three months or every four months, something like that. I have to ask my dentist. Remind, Jenny, remind me to pick up some toothbrushes for Brian, will you? <laughs> you opened yourself up for that one, buddy. Uh-huh. It's failing to do an estate plan. Oh, I knew that. Failing to do an estate plan. Lots of people fail to do an estate plan. Right, so the what question is an estate is, plan? Why is it, well, first of all, why is an estate plan important? What is it? Why is it important? Well, an estate plan is the... So we're not talking about debt this week. We're no. going to talk about... It's law and reality. Uh, we talked about debt the first uh, last three weeks. We're going to try and start focusing on a few more topics. I think coming up next week, we're going we're to actually talk about tax issues. But estate planning is the topic today. So estate planning, what is an estate plan? An estate plan is a series of documents that you put together that help transfer your assets to those individuals you want to receive your assets after you pass on. Most people think of an estate plan as doing a will. Okay, and that's, now, can, can one, that's one of the documents. R- right there. One thing that I find scares a lot of people my age, which is the mid-30s or upper 30s, is what happens if you don't have an estate plan and, say, you and your spouse or you and the, the other parent of the child uh, pass away simultaneously? The plane goes down, the ship sinks. You know, a lot of people think, well, I've, I've said, you know, my brother or my sister or my friend or my mom is going to get custody of my kids. But if you don't have a document in place, what can happen? The probate court decides. Absolutely. Yeah, because that- it's, it's a legal issue and... It can be it can be resolved easily if everyone in your family agrees who should become the guardian of, of of your children. But if there's a disagreement, then the probate court judge will ultimately decide who becomes the guardian. You want as a parent to try to avoid that problem. So let's let's just start at the will. What is so traditionally people think of an estate plan as being a will. A will is a document that, as I said, takes your assets and takes them and gives them and to the next person in line, so to speak, that you want to give your assets to, whether it be a child, a spouse, a charity, however you want to divest your your estate of its assets after you die, the will allows you to do that. The will also allows you to establish who should be guardian over your minor children. But if you only have a will, your estate, no matter what it's comprised of, is going to have to go through a probate system, and uh, it's going to go through probate court. Don't jump that quickly out of the... Let's back up on the guardian thing. So if you have a will and you do a testamentary appointment of a guardian of your minor children, that guardian will become appointed and approved to take care and custody of your child. Barring... If you have a will and you don't have a guardian appointed or you don't have a will... Then you're going to have that decision made by the probate court, absolutely. Which is a dangerous situation 
in the case where all of a sudden the grandparents disagree who should take care of the child or one uncle, you know, you've got an aunt and an uncle on both sides of the family fighting, that's the last thing the child needs having lost his, his or her parents. So you want to make sure if you're a millennial, you have a will at a minimum and you've taken care of that issue. It's a great thing that parents should give as a gift to their children who haven't taken care of the will saying, I'm concerned about my grandchildren. I want to make sure this appointment is but taken care of. But you know what? Of. If you're going to take the time to, to produce the will, you should produce the other document that's necessary when you pass away. Documents. Well, there's a series of documents, but the most important document is actually a trust from dealing with your assets that you want when to dispose you die. of. Correct. Because what happens is, is pro, I know, I know, but the probate law says that if you don't have a trust in place, your assets are going to flow through the, uh, the system and they're going to follow probate law. And the probate judge is going to decide how they get dispersed and the court's going to be involved. But if you have a trust, you can avoid going to probate and avoid having your assets be looked at by a court. They're just going to be distributed the way you want them done. Okay, well, let me summarize for a second. An estate plan encompasses addressing two sets of issues. Issues while you're living and issues upon your demise, upon your death. The issues while you're living are the need for a power of attorney, a durable power of attorney, to appoint someone who can act on your behalf if you're not able or it's inconvenient for you to act, for your elderly parent, for uh, your spouse. From that standpoint, a lot of people, that, that power of attorney, what people think of is, I, want my, I need to help write my mom's checks because she can't see anymore to write the checkbook. I need to help pay my Do her banking. Yeah, do her banking. I need to address the issues that come up because she keeps getting this bill from Comcast, from Comcast. charging her for. My dad kept getting a bill from Comcast charging him for Cinemax. He didn't even know what Cinemax was. I would send the power of attorney to the Comcast, uh, email it to them, and they would then wipe off the charge until the next month when they'd put it back on, and then I'd have to call them again. But, but, but that was a whole different right, issue. This document, these are the documents that help. A lot of people think that they should do it. Oh, I'll just put my kid on the bank account. I'll just add my kid to my house so that it'll all go where I want it to go. But those are some of the most inappropriate mistakes people make. The what you don't know can hurt you. So I can you, give for, a quick example on that is, uh, Ken, you and I had a client and his mother put him on the house uh, as part of her estate planning and he didn't tell mom that he had a little bit of a tax issue uh, with the Internal Revenue Service. The Internal Revenue Service had filed a lien against him. Mom decided that she wanted to, to downsize and move into a condo. So she goes to sell the house, gets to a week before closing and guess what? son's tax lien comes up. We get the phone call. Is there anything we can do? I only did this for estate planning purposes. I was advised that this was a way to avoid probate. And unfortunately, in that situation, what ended up happening is half of the proceeds went to the Internal Revenue Service because she had quick claim deeded the home to both herself and her son. You, you can do there's things a lot of horror. There's a lot of horror stories. How about the joint bank account and the son turns out to have a gambling problem or a substance abuse problem? And all of a sudden, mom goes and finds out that the $100,000 that was in the bank account, which was her nest egg for savings, is dwindled down to $10,000. Or? You can't, you know, 
once it's out of the can, you can't put it back because the money's gone. And now that's that's the, the bad egg situation. But more often than not, what happens is, is you don't know that your child has debt issues. And your what happens is, is you've put your kid on your house, and then what happens? They file a bankruptcy. And you get a letter from the Chapter 7 trustee that says, Hi, Mrs. Smith. We're going to be putting a for sale sign in your front yard to sell the house. We'll be paying you your half of the equity in the home, but we're going to take your son's half of the equity. And now that's a defensible position. And all you were trying to do is get your house to your son when you pass away. There's a right way and a wrong way. Putting them on the deed is the wrong way. Utilizing a trust is the right way. Utilizing a trust, using a ladybird deed with a trust. There's many steps that we do in estate planning that cover it the right way that are simple and easy to do, but you have to, A, do them, and you have to know about them in order to do them right. The old school is the big mistake. Joint names on bank accounts, joint names on deeds, that's old school, and it creates terrible problems. Let's go back to the power of attorney, though. The the document that lets you make financial decisions and obtain some medical uh, documents and things like that for your for whoever you've been named as agent, you are the power of attorney for that person. Well, a lot of here's the biggest two biggest misconceptions that are out there. You're married, so you believe you can make a decision for your husband or your wife, whether it's financial or medical. You can't, period, not unless you've got a power of attorney. Better yet, you've been making decisions for your child ever since they were born what they should do, where they should go to school, how they should, you know, how they should do deal with things financially, and suddenly they turn 18. And you know how many decisions you can make legally for your kid when they turn 18? Zero. Well, no, you can make one. How much money are you willing to give them? <laughs> yeah, that's, well, I, that's I what are you that willing what important. are you willing to pay for? That you still retain yes, that you, power. Yeah, you always get that power, but what you don't have is the power to make a medical decision for them. The power to make a financial decision for them. And you say, but it's my child. And the reality is, is it doesn't matter it's your child. They're an adult. Right, so. which I'm saying is a lot of people listening might be thinking, well, but my child's going to be okay with me assisting and making decisions. But where this comes into play is if that child becomes incapacitated and can't make that decision or can't bring mom and dad into it, that document is going to make, make sure that if there is an issue, they can step in. I'll give you a really simple, simple example. My daughter, uh, who just graduated from Michigan State when she was a sophomore, had an issue with her tuition bill. She got a bill and it had a couple of extra zeros in it. And so she called me up and said, what do I do? I said, well, you go over to the registrar's office and you show them the bill. It's clearly wrong. She goes, Dad, I don't have time. I got an exam. They're telling me I'm not going to get my credits, yada, yada, you know, panic-stricken teenager, right? And so I said, all right, I'll take care of it. I pick up the phone, I call the registrar's office, and they say to me, well, we'd love to chat with you, but you're not the student and you're not on the account. I said, but I have her power of attorney. They said, oh, okay. I emailed it to them. 15 minutes later, the problem was fixed. Well, it wasn't completely fixed, still had to pay the tuition bill, but I didn't have to pay with the two extra zeros on it. So the key here was, it's, it's simple stuff that maybe your kids just don't have the ability or don't have the time or the wherewithal to uh, figure out how to handle. You as an adult with more experience can get something taken care of quickly. 
as long as you have the authority. So that's one of the that, the that's durable the power, power of attorney. Power of attorney while living. The other one is the need for a healthcare power of attorney. Probably the most important document of an estate plan in my mind out of everything. That's also sometimes called the patient advocate form in Michigan. That comes into play if you're hospitalized. This is the document that gives the directive and the authority of a close person, typically your spouse or your child, to make the life-ending decisions or as to, to whether, you, whether you stay on the respirator, whether you don't, whether they code, whether they, whether they don't code you. In that situation, you need that document in place so that the hospital knows that there's someone in authority to make those decisions. It goes beyond that. Your, your child is 350 miles away at college, and you're trying to you're talking to the doctor, and the doctor says you don't have any authority to make any decisions. Your, your, your kid doesn't have a clue what to do. They may be unconscious. They may be uh, uh, under medication that doesn't allow them to be uh, make a, a rational decision at that moment. By you having that power of that medical power of attorney, that patient advocate, you can make your child's medical decisions for them. If you're 350 miles away and you and you don't have that document, you're not making the medical decisions until you go to court, probate court, and get a judge to appoint you guardian and conservator. It's within the hospital's prerogative to do what you request, but they're not obligated to do it. And the hospital is always going to follow the course that creates the least possible exposure to any liability. So where you run into the disaster is there's no patient advocate, no health care power of attorney, and you have two family members directing the hospital to do different things. In that situation, the hospital will never act at anyone's request. They'll throw it back and say, get a court order. Very That's famous, the last thing you want to see happen. Very famous case that went to the Supreme Court of the United States. Uh, twice, I think. Twice, yes. Terry Schiavo was in a persistent vegetative state in the 90s. And uh, her husband said, pull the plug, and her mother said, nail it, nail it into the wall. And because she didn't have any sort of directive at all, it took 10 years, and she finally passed away, but it went to the Supreme Court, and it was a nasty, ugly fight. And you don't need that to happen. It's a simple addition to the estate plan. All right, so that's two issues that only apply while you're living, but they're still an estate plan issue. The need for that durable power of attorney, the need for a patient advocate or a health care power of attorney. The next questions that estate plans cover are dying issues, which Brian started alluding to earlier. And when you die, the issue is how are you going to leave your assets and what's the method and process by which that's going to occur? And again, what you want, just like when we talk about debt, debt issues, we want it to be, you want to preserve, you want to do it at the least cost and in the fastest manner. Well, that same thing applies upon your death. You want the assets to transfer to your heirs in the least costly, most effective manner. I can't tell you how many times I've seen bank accounts get tied up because uh, nobody can access them because probate isn't opened fast enough. They're trying to get to the, the bank, won't give you any of the money. You've got to go deal with all those issues. And in the meantime, your rent's not getting paid because the money is in your husband or your former uh, the passed away wife's account and you got to get access as soon as possible. So, so the common issue that you hear about in this in this context and we're going to kind of break it down so that you get a better understanding is the desire to avoid probate. If you pass away and your assets are transferring to your heirs by a will 
or if you don't even have a will and they have to go by the state laws of intestate succession, in both those circumstances, everything has to go through the probate court. You have to file a petition with the probate court. You have to give notice to all uh, heirs at law under the uh, of the decedent. And then there's an opportunity for people to file claims and to contest where the assets are going, and it creates the potential of a probate hassle and fight. Look at look at the big example. Uh, when, you know, and we see this when Prince died. Prince died without an estate plan. It's a giant, expensive disaster. Now, take that and reduce it to your regular household. For you and your household, it's still going to be a giant, expensive disaster if you don't have an estate plan. And when we talk about it, it's not a question of saying it's. I'm not. I don't want to suggest to you that if you if you, if you pass away and your estate's two hundred fifty thousand dollars, you're going to incur a $50,000 bill in probate. That would typically not happen unless there was a big fight among the heirs. But you are going to incur an expense in the range of $5,000 in that case. And if you had a trust rather than just a will and your assets were funded into the trust while you were living, you avoid that probate process. So the whole point when we talk about avoiding probate is to do not only a will, but a trust. A trust does exactly what a will does, but it's governed by contract principles rather than the probate law principles. You know, people say to so, me all the time, isn't isn't a trust really expensive? And and I want to respond by saying it's no different than a will was years ago. All the pages, so to speak, when you did a will and it was 15, 20 pages long, now our, the will is like three pages long. It's called a pour-over will. It says everything that I own goes in my trust. The trust is the lengthy document. It isn't the time to prepare those documents isn't what's, what's different because it take, preparing a 20-page will or a 20-page trust takes the same amount of time. The time that's spent to figure out with you where your stuff is going, who gets it, how you want it distributed, at what ages you want it distributed, how you want to care for your minor children. All of those things are dealt with through a trust which avoids court scrutiny. And quite honestly, that is the... Yeah, I mean... Keeping the, it private is what most right. people want these days. That's the other benefit of a trust is it's private, whereas probate, all documents are public are public documents and are available to be scrutinized and, and, and can be looked at. But going right to what you were saying, Brian, is the time process of creating the estate plan, whether you were just doing a will or whether you're doing a pour-over will and a trust, from our perspective, is exactly the same. Now, historically, lawyers would go to clients and say, you want a, you want a simple will, it's $900. You want a trust, it's $3,000. That in my view, was always a somewhat of a scam because the proper estate planning still goes to the same thing. Meeting with the client, finding out what they want to do, and then figuring out the most effective way to transfer the assets. Whether you're creating the trust document or the will, just like Brian said, it's the same amount of time. So of we the, don't charge a different fee between the two. One of the biggest misconceptions of why they, people think estate planning is so expensive, and it's not, is because in the old days, in the early 90s, late 90s, estate planning was complex because it was done for the purposes of avoiding 
taxes. Estate taxes. Estate taxes. And in this case, right now, because the limits are so high, you don't have to pay estate taxes if your estate's worth less than $10.3 million. Quite honestly. That's for a single person. Yeah. You double that amount with proper planning yeah. on, a, on a married couple. So well, at, I, at the end of the day, what happens is, is estate planning has now simplified itself to the point where it's the document that takes your assets and moves them where you want them. There's very little tax planning for the average person in the United States. There are those people like Warren Buffett. I'm sure he has plenty of, he has done tons of tax planning, and his trust is probably 90 pages thick. But for so the average I, I, person, it's not. I think the point not. is, though, the average maybe person 900 pages. should have a trust. A lot of people that I've met with and clients say, oh, only wealthy people need a trust. I don't have millions of dollars uh, in assets and jewelry and furs that I'm leaving behind, so this doesn't apply to me. And that's absolutely the wrong way to look no, at it. No, even, even if you had... Imagine that you, 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 you your spouse dies and there's only $100,000 sitting there with the assets. And you have to spend five to $7,000 going through the probate court to get those assets transferred because you didn't have an estate plan when it could have been the cost of a, a, a trust for and the that, two and, of you. And that 100000 is just as critical to your children or your spouse or whoever you're leaving it to as well. Is, I mean, that... It's still a lot of money is really what it comes and down to, and you need to be careful What's about What's sad is, is that 60% ahead, of Americans don't have an right. estate But plan. I think avoiding probate, we've, we've discussed about the cost and the time and the stress. I, I think avoiding it is, is something beneficial for whoever you're leaving uh, your estate to because you pass away, they're already under enough stress, and then to have to go to probate court and worry about it and talk to lawyers and try to figure out what's supposed to happen, um, I think avoiding that stressor is, is really important. Well, and, right, and, let me take you to a different direction now. All right, so we, we've talked about the living issues, the need for a power of attorney, the need for a health care power of attorney. We talked about the dying issue, number one, is the smart thing is to have those assets funded into a living trust so that you avoid the probate process. Now, the next issue is making sure, and we're gonna, this, this issue is going to carry over into a later show as well, but the next issue is making sure the assets go the way you want them to go. Now, let me give you a, two quick examples of what can go wrong. Number one, most married couples with children come in and they say, when I pass away, I want everything to go to my wife. If both of us are gone, divide it up among the children. That's the common goal of a married couple with no prior divorces and different children from different marriages that they want. But here's the problem. Most estate plans then are drafted up and they say, husband's trust says when he passes away, it all goes to wife. If wife predeceases him, it goes to the children at certain ages. Wife says the same thing. Now, husband passes away. Let's suppose his estate's worth $800,000. Everything goes to wife. Now it's in the wife's estate, and, it's in, and those assets are hers. If she passes away and doesn't change her trust, it goes to the children. But suppose wife goes off and marries the tennis pro. Goes off and marries the tennis pro, redoes her estate plan, and leaves everything to the tennis pro. Kids get nothing. Now that really wasn't the intention of her first deceased husband. And it wasn't her attention at the time she uh, at the time she signed the original estate second plan. But obviously, issues, she fell for the tennis pro in the second particular marriage case. issues come up, and what you want to do is be very careful of how you draft the trust so that you make sure that wife has the ability to utilize the funds, but 
at the end of the day, they still go to the children. There's a simple solution to that. Rather than leaving, rather than having the trust say it all goes out outright to wife, it's left in trust for the wife for her to have all the income and the power to invade the trust for reasonable support and maintenance, but not the power to give the money away to somebody else. If a couple wants to do that, that takes care of that problem. The biggest flaw in estate planning is the estate planner doesn't even explain to husband and wife when they're there that they need to that that, that could be an issue and do they want protection against that happening. Now let me give you one. Well, we got time for one. We, let's, we got let's, some let's do announcements, announcements coming up. Okay. So first of all, I'd like to invite all of our listening audience to watch the TV version of Law and Reality every Sunday at 11 a.m. That's 11 a.m. TV 20 Sundays. If you are out and about or off at church, hit the DVR button. It's worth watching in the afternoon, I promise. Then we have a seminar coming up Wednesday, August 22nd, 2018. It's a free seminar. And what we're talking about is, well, the title speaks for itself. Don't be like Bill doing a state plan. Now, how, how can that title speak for itself? I have <laughs> a question. Because, Ken, you've got to, at some point, you're going to have to explain who Bill is. But that Bill said, left his estate plan to Mary. Mary then went ahead and married the tennis pro, as an example. Uh-oh. In that case, then don't be like Bill. Do a proper estate plan. At that seminar Wednesday, August 22nd, in our offices in Bingham Farms, we're going to discuss the elements of an estate plan, the will, the trust, the power of attorney, the patient advocate, the proper type of deeds to do. We're going to talk about uh, all those essential elements. We're going to talk about avoiding probate and how to handle a probate fight when it happens. You can uh, sign up for the seminar at lawandreality.com, favgross.com, or you can call us at 888-235-HELP. That's 888-235-4357. All of our attendees receive a $300 gold certificate off the cost of an estate plan. Again, sign up at lawandreality.com, thavgross.com, or call us at 888-235-HELP. In the event that you want to talk to us about any of the issues that we talk about, debt issues, tax issues, estate planning issues, business issues, elder law issues, or disability, social security disability issues, you give us a call. We'll get you in for a free consultation. You'll see Ken for, those, uh, debt, for the uh, business issues and the debt issues. Jenny here will talk to you about the tax issues, and I'll talk to you about debt issues and estate planning. And our elder law expert, Pat Samasco, will help you on the elder law issues and Social Security Disability with Jeffrey Kirshner. Call us again at 888-235-HELP. We've got about a minute and a half left, Ken. What, what, what do we got for wrap-up? No, well, ne- next problem occurs. Okay, so husband passes away, wife predeceases him. So now it's going to the children, and the estate plan says give a third to each of the, my three children at ages 25, 30, and 35. Well, when husband and wife have both passed away, all three kids are over 35. Now the money goes outright to all three of them. Well, suppose child A has financial problems and is about to file a bankruptcy. You don't want to give that one-third of the estate to child A. This is going to go to Visa and MasterCard. It's going to go to his creditors. There's a solution to that problem. The solution is instead of leaving the assets outright to the children, you leave it in a discretionary trust with a spendthrift provision that appoints like one of the siblings as the trustee over the money, and that protects it from the creditors. The point is it's not an automatic that you do these things, but these are the things you need to discuss with the estate planner 
that are critical to developing an estate plan that works and that's effective for somebody. So to recap, you got why do you need an estate plan? You got issues while you're living. You need a durable power of attorney. You need a health care power of attorney. You need to address death. You need to have a living trust so that you avoid probate, and you need to do the proper planning in the estate plan to make sure that the assets that you've worked for your entire life ultimately get rested in the hands of the beneficiaries you intended. Have a great week. We'll be back next week with Law & Reality. Thanks for tuning in.